In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. In the beginning, the universe was created, and then he made podcasts. Hey, listening friends. Hello, howdy, guten tag. Welcome back to another episode of Save the World. If you're here, you know who I are, and you know my co-host, the indubitable Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello, Kenyatta. How are you doing today? It's good. It's good. And with us, once again, is our favorite guest and friend in real life. We have real life friends. Mm -hmm. Music producer extraordinaire, Timber. Hey. Yes. Yep. Yep. He's got, he, he's led an interesting life producing that music. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me on again. I didn't think you guys liked me the last time. <laughs> I was just messing with y'all. It's all love. Uh, of yeah. Course, of course, of course. I mean, you must kind of like us too. You keep coming back every time we ask. Exactly. It's like an um, ex-girlfriend you're supposed to leave for the rest of your life. Or, or figure the X. I don't know. Or go ahead, Kenyatta. Go ahead. Well, we might be the X. We might be the X. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Uh, I'm rolling this around. We might be the X. We might be the X. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, it's all love. It's always all love. I love. We're about we're about to get a drunk text at two in the morning. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Um, <laughs> um, I guess we're continuing our streak, our pop culture streak, for another episode because we're going to dig into, well, a cultural milestone. I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah? just a little small one, you know. It, mm -hmm. you know, for people of our generation, just something that sort of barely, kind of, you know, something that we. Are going to remember sort of a little bit, maybe in the vaguest of ways. Yeah, very, very vague. Maybe. Yeah. Small feet too with this situation. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. person I'm talk about has never done anything in their life, but never. we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yep. The irony, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean. Oh, I'm saying, but uh, before we do that. Before we spend 60-ish minutes talking about something that really didn't have a huge impact and at the same time did, <laughs> we're going to do WTF. I know y'all guys miss them, so. That we are. That we are. But because we have a guest, as always, we turn over the first WTF moment to our guest. So, Tim, what do you have? Yes, my WTF moment starts off good, meaning that I'm happy to see that Nicki Minaj was on um, Vogue, the cover of Vogue, mm 
Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. WTF part of it is the negative backlash that she got in comments. Mm. And there was nothing wrong with what she's doing. She's not scantily dressed. She's dressed professional. To me, the way I took it, it looked like um, Nicki Minaj going to the next step. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Beautiful pictures, this, that, and the other. But um, I saw a lot of people in the comments were just saying, like, uh, why, are you, why is she wearing this? Why is she wearing that? Who cares? It's a feat. Nobody makes it the vogue like that. So that's my WTF is towards the people who made negative comments on a great feat and a great accomplishment of Nicki Minaj. It was a gorgeous uh, layout. Yeah. Like they had her dressed well. They had good poses. You know, the makeup and the hair was beat. She looked good. I do. I do the same thing you do. I spend whole way too much time in social media comments. And I noticed some of that, too. But also, I've noticed, and it's not even a a new thing. It's just something that's always been, that folks love to come in and dump on black women. It's a disturbing thing to watch, especially from people who claim they don't have that problem, and then they turn around and say something nasty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then there are are always people that show up that want to shit in somebody's sugar anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. There, there, there's always that crowd. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, somebody could give ten thousand dollars to, you know, everybody and pick the place, and there'd be people to be like, "Oh, he's wealthy enough. Why didn't he get 15? Right. Hundred <laughs> percent. That was my WTF. Is the comments on um, which go because um, it's hard to grow when you have when you really care about other people, what other people think about you. Mm-hmm. And being in social media and her situation, I'm pretty sure she's been through this before. But this is a positive thing. And for her to still get negative responses, no matter what, it makes me realize it doesn't matter what you do. You just got to do you and keep it moving because people are going to have something to say regardless. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm really I'm really happy about that whole um, set. So that's my WTF, the comment. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I noticed that myself. And sometimes it just wears me out. I'm like, I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'll get feisty and I'll troll, some, I'll troll some assholes every now and then. I get good traffic on those. So, <laughs> But I only do it a couple times a month because <laughs> you can't bring the unicorn out too often. It loses its <laughs> But yeah, that's a good one. That is good. It's a it's an interesting observation, the world we live in. Mm. So my WTF is actually it's not a current event, but it is closely related to what we'll be talking about in today's episode. Uh this happened back in September of this year. And a guy named Jan Winner, who was a co founder of Rolling Stone magazine, you know that little publication that covers music and stuff. Y'all yeah. That? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he wrote a book called The Masters, and he's been in he's been in I guess the music business for a very long time. So he's got interviews in this book with Bono of YouTube, uh, Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, John Lennon, Jerry Garcia, Pete Townsend, and a more recent one, Bruce Springsteen. He did an interview with the New York Times when the book was getting ready to come out, and he was asked, "How come?" You don't have any women or people of color that you talk to. He said, 
he oh. felt like they didn't articulate rock music philosophy well enough to be included. Oh, wow. What the entire fuck? Yeah, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, again, no kidding. I remember just when it came out a couple of months ago, and I had the same reaction. I still have it now. This guy co-founded one of the most well-known music magazines ever. He's been in the business about as long as we've been alive-ish. And he has the nerve to say this. You don't yeah. know music at all. Well, it doesn't surprise me. And the reason why I'm saying that is because of where he came from, the reason why he, he co-founded that magazine, because traditionally it was rock-related. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I don't think he came off of that even when music started changing. I think he was forced by outside people saying that you got to give light to this to report and just had to allow in the magazine when music started changing. But I think that um, his main thing, if it if it's not rock to him, it, he doesn't understand it. But but him making that statement tells it all. It does. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's wildly ridiculous because you would think for him being as steeped in the music business as he supposedly is that he would know the origins of the vast majority of the American music genres. Yeah. You would think. But clearly he it doesn't. Because if he interviewed Mick Jagger, that fella that's in a band called the Rolling Stones, right. he would know that the Rolling Stones got their name from a Muddy Waters song. Right. Muddy Waters being one of the uh, most legendary bluesmen ever. Yeah. So yeah. what exactly, who exactly do you, does he think these so-called masters refer to when they talk about their inspiration. Right, right. Yeah. The Floyd part of Pink Floyd came from um, a blues singer. Yeah. I, I I just saw that the other day. You remember the name? I can't think of it off the top of my head because I needed to have access to it in the moment, and so I yeah. can't access it. It's true. <laughs> it's true, but I, I think he knows. I think he knows where it came from, but I think it becomes removed when another entity takes up that name. Rolling Stones has been a band mm-hmm. for right. a long time. Mm-hmm. The magazine has been a name for a long time, but it's synonymous with rock. Right. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's the main thing. And I'm not taking light on it because it's fucked up that he even said that shit. Mm-hmm. But but based on where he came from and um being the co founder, I understand it, I guess. Yeah, he should still know better. Yeah. He I, he does know better. And I I have absolutely no doubt yeah. that everybody that ever worked with him in any long-term capacity or who knows him, they know that he's been like this. They just yeah. nobody was ever going to call him out. Until I mean now. I mean Prince This is what he said when he got <laughs> pressed later on in the interview. He um the interviewer was like, "Really? So no women and no people of color?" And then he says, oh, maybe like Madonna or Joni Mitchell or maybe Stevie Wonder and maybe Marvin Gaye and maybe Curtis Mayfield. You're kidding, right? It it took the interviewer like literally reminding you that these people exist. And without a lot of these folks, a lot of these folks' inspirations, rock and roll as we know it wouldn't exist. Yeah. Can, right. Two words, Chuck Berry. Can we not... Act Jimmy, like, Jimi Hendrix. Can we not act like we don't know 
where rock and roll sprung from. But it, clearly, he chooses to live in a bubble, and people have allowed yeah. him to do so. Yeah. Like, um, and I know, Tim, you had made a couple posts the other day when Missy Elliott was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I did the same thing you did, went in the comments. Why is she in the, she does, she's not rock and roll. Rap isn't real music. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Here we yeah. go. You know, and I, and I saw that. I saw that. And to be real with you, be the devil's advocate, I understand where they're coming from, but they're misunderstanding. They're really sticking to the name of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame type mm-hmm. thing. I get that. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is music. Rock and Roll even is from the Chuck Berries and all that shit. Yeah. yeah has nothing to do with if it's um, Van Halen or Kiss sounding, that is not rock and roll. It's birthed from somewhere, and all of this music that we have, even down to hip-hop, mm-hmm. is based on the beginning. So everybody's rock and roll to me. Yeah. So people are going yeah, to say what they're going to say. Yeah, I think the term rock and roll was from, um, who said rocking and rolling? Was it Lil Richard or um, who said it first? One of them said it first, mm-hmm. and it meant having sex. That's all it meant. <laughs> right. We're going to rock and roll. Yeah. There was no way that a lot of people of certain colors that was able to go and listen to that kind of music. But history aside, I um, it's just sad that people won't include each other in a certain situation that they've already created. You're going to keep everybody right. else out, but when we start our own thing, then how come you don't invite us type shit? So... She deserves it. Yeah. Yeah, she she deserves it. Mm-hmm. To me, the more impressive thing, though, about Missy Elliott is that she's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. To yeah, me, yeah. that is to me that is the the more impressive feat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's – people, like, forget she's been in the game for a long time. I knew, mm-hmm. I knew Missy when she was in the group called Phase E, a three-member girl group. I was yep. in a three-member guy group. Mm-hmm. So I know her. She was quiet, this, that, and the other. Known her during the the um, the phase when she was with Devontae and all that stuff. But what it was is that she was determined, mm-hmm. and she deserves it. And I'm pretty sure she did not think that she would ever receive any accolades outside the fact that I love the way you write songs, or I love the way you sing, I love the way right. you write lovely videos. But she, I'm pretty sure she never would have thought that she would be inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Songwriters Hall of Fame is forever. Yep. Because those yeah. are songs. You can actually have somebody else re-sing one song and still get money off of that song. You can replace an artist every day. If you can write a song and 35 years later, a country musician will right. cover it and then you win a country music award. Like Which obviously just is in the news today. <laughs> yeah, like I still, yeah, I, I still like her song. The original song still gives me chills. Like that is a beautiful song. It is. And that, I heard, I heard his version a couple months ago. Finally, I oh that's not bad. Or her. Which song is that? Which song are you talking about? Fast car. Fast car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yep. Fast car. And I'm, I'm you know what? Be real too. And I don't. I know Jack. We're going to get to you with your WTF. But yeah, I I got my. I found one, by the way. So anyway, go ahead. (laughs) One thing I was so excited. See, I like to see people win. But when I heard that that Tracy Chapman song was redone, because technically, if you really want to do a genre specific type thing with that song, it can be country. 
It, it, yeah. it is. Even when it first started, when it first came out, mm-hmm. I'm so happy for anybody else who's not happy for anybody else who's, who actually just feels like that person didn't do justice. What justice is they going to do? They're not Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman is the original. Yep. You know what I mean? She extended that song. That song's going to live for the rest of her life. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, songwriting is where it's at. It is. Yep. And I, 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 I like the fact that who was it that covered it? I can't remember his name. Luke something. Yeah, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he stayed as close to the original as he could. He still gave like an updated feel, but he stayed as close to the original as possible. Right. He has a nice voice, so yeah. I'm glad that he did it. He did it justice. Yeah, I know you. I, I really appreciate that he did it justice. I know. I like this version. It's really yeah. good, and it, it makes sense for the way he did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. people who won't listen to Tracy Tra- Chapman will listen to this record, so that song still has life for mm-hmm. the rest of the life. The people misunderstand what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You boy. Yeah, yeah, for All sure. Right. Jack? All right, I found one. Uh, well, I remembered this. So um, this has sort of taken place over a bit of time here, but... The world's first whole eye and partial face transplant gave an Arkansas man new hope. Last year, he was working on power lines, and he lives in Arkansas, Storm, Mississippi. They were there helping out. His face touched a 7,200-volt wire. Oh, my chest hurts just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, They called his wife. And she's, of course, freaking out. And she's like, is he going to make it? And the doctor told her over the phone, you have enough time to get here. Damn. Right. Uh, He made it. His face. um, You know the bad guy in Hannibal, the movie Hannibal? Oh, God. That's what his face looked like. Um, Yeah, it was was bad. And they had to take out his uh, left eye. He lost his left arm. Mm. And so they started talking about doing the face transplant because, you know, they've done like five or six of them now. And so they're like, you're a candidate. And the doctor was like, we kind of like to see if we can do an eye transplant. Because when they had to take his eye, they talked to someone that's like an eye specialist. And he's like, cut that nerve as close to the eyeball as you can. Maybe we can somehow transplant an eye. So then they started looking and he's talking to the doctor and, the guy's like, somebody's got to be the first person to do it. It might as well be me. And he's like, and if it doesn't work, at least I'll have an eye. Right. 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 And so uh, they did the surgery back in May. Thankfully, they waited a bit before they announced everything. So there was chances for him to heal and everything. But um, it looks, he does not look like that anymore. He looks I mean, you could tell something happened, but it doesn't. Mm. It looks like a a normal face with a lot of scars, and the part that where they did the transplant, he's it, it's even growing uh, a beard. Wow, which is cool. <laughs> so they don't know he he still can't see out of that eye mm-hmm. yet, but since it's never been done, they don't know if it will work. And then they took stem cells and stuck them in the shot them into the nerve, hoping that maybe they'll you know reconnect and everything, and eventually he'll be able to see out of it. Oh, that's definitely WTF. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah. I'm looking at the picture now. That's wild. Yeah, and you see what I'm talking about, though. He looked like. Yeah, he looks like something happened, but if you didn't know, 
you wouldn't know, you know? Yeah. Wow, that much voltage? Bless. Oof. I'm telling you, like, modern medicine technology is amazing to me. Yeah. Like, to think that there was a point in time in, in, in as far as humanity's history, not too long ago, where doctors didn't believe in this thing called germs. And now look where we are. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's wild. Wow. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Now only, now only Trump supporters don't believe in things called germs. Exactly. Don't, don't, Sorry, yeah, pandemic exactly. reference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh. <laughs> it's a fact. They don't be, believe in germs, but they're afraid of other cultures. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh boy. Oh, I, I almost, I almost loathe jumping back in, into that kind of landmine, but you know, somebody's got to do it. But not today. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them why we're here today, girl. Not today. This is why we're not doing it today. We are talking about how do I describe it? Because we all hear love music and. We get started talking about music-related things. We go on and on and on. And this is actually uh, Jack's idea to talk about this today. And we were all in on it because we also are highly interested in this one thing. It was a milestone. It was a musical milestone from an iconic artist. And that musical milestone is the album Thriller yep. by Michael Jackson. Released on November 29th, 1982. Yes. Yep. Came out when we were in grade school. God help us. <laughs> 41 years. The only reason we didn't do this episode last year is because we didn't know that it had been 40 years. <laughs> or maybe we knew we were just in denial. It could have been anything. It could have been anything. <laughs> but, yeah. 41 years. So, we're going to talk about it today. Is yep. there any is there any anything y'all want to uh, say before we kind of jump in first with the just the facts part? The performance on the Motown special where he introduced the moonwalk was just iconic <laughs> for people our age, and the impact that this album had on pop music and music in general cannot be <laughs> overstated because there are very few albums that have had the impact that Thriller did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and real quick though, mm -hmm. Michael Jackson is the, probably the only person in the history of the world that has written a song about a rat that has made people cry. Well, he didn't write it, but he sang it. So he, I mean, sang he sang it, it. yeah. He yeah, sang it. he sang it. He sang the shit yeah, out of it. That's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you get my point. Yeah, I'd be wanting to call exes rats, and then that's not true. But he had to about a real rat. Oh, my yeah. gosh. He loved it, that rat. He loved it. Yeah, he loved yeah. It. yeah. So. Yeah, the Motown 25 is the um, the kicker. We could, we'll get into it, as you probably discovered how that was integral because Thriller was a failure in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was a failure, but Motown 25 changed the game. It was years be um, since they've seen the Jackson 5 together, even with Jermaine, and it was years um, when they saw Michael Jackson on TV, and T Michael didn't want to do TV. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, that was the only way you could see Michael Jackson or the Jacksons was live. You had to pay for the tickets. Mm-hmm. This was on TV, Motown 25, and changed the game. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody remembers anything else from Motown 25, even though there were some stellar moments mm-hmm. with, uh, with the um, Four Tops and the Temptations doing like a, a singing battle type thing. Yep. Everybody that's in there, I'm pretty sure nobody remembers none of that. They remember Billy Jean, which was not a Motown record. Exactly. Yeah. It was epic. Had the honor of releasing yeah. that. Yeah. That's wild to me. So I actually have two memories of that. One, the Michael Jackson bit, and then Smokey Robinson sang a song solo. And I turned to my parents and was like, "This man is like so smooth. This voice. Yeah. yeah. It, I was like, this this man's voice is incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah." Incredible and incredible. One of my favorite songwriters of all time. Oh yeah. Oh. He's one of my favorite my favorite line from Smokey Robinson of all time is my smile is my makeup I wear since my breakup with you. And that tears of the clown. Um baby, take a good look at my face. Yes. Because mm-hmm. that's how I felt when I was in early relationships as a kid. You know what I mean? You know, I'm trying to hold back that I'm really hurt by what you did. But if you look closer, you it's easy to trace the tracks with my tears. And smooth voice, cruising, being with you, all that, y'all. Smooth. Oh, my God. Cruising is my song. Can you hear me? Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway, let's get to our Michael Jackson thriller history lesson. Indeed. This is the Just the Facts portion of our program. And as I mentioned, this particular album was released on November 29th, 1982 by Epic Records and was produced by another legend, Quincy Jones, who in his own right was something of a young genius back in the day. That man has been in the business uh, since creation, literally. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's that's a whole other episode on its own. Moses Um, Jones. That's yeah, a whole other episode on From Frank Sinatra to everybody. A lot of people don't know. I know we're about to go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, that, remember that song? It's my party and I mm-hmm. cry if I want. His first production. Mm-hmm. 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 Because he had that album. It was a, it was a double album where he had um, more current singers do updated versions of all of his. I think it was, uh, what's her face that did that cover? Uh, she passed away some years ago. The British chick, uh, Amy uh, Whitehouse. She Amy did a cover version. You know, I never that. heard that version. Yeah, she, she's good. Oh, of course. It's good. You should, you should check that out. Yeah, because he, he even out. has like the Sanford and Son theme on there. Yeah, I had that. My parents had that album that that song was on. Mm-hmm. It was the whole instrumental album. Yep. So yeah, Jones on his own is a, is a whole episode. He's incredible. So, but he had worked on um, five years previous. He had worked with MJ on uh, his 1979 album Off the Wall, which is also a banger. Mm-hmm. So, and apparently Jackson he wanted to create an album where every song was a killer. Quote: The thing is, they didn't miss. This is one of them albums, a handful of albums, in my opinion, that you can you can go top top to bottom and nothing be off. Seriously. Right. Um, Thriller became his Jackson's uh, first number one album on the U.S. Billboard Top 
LPs and tapes charts. This just tells you a little something about how the Billboard rating system has evolved. Yeah. LPs and tapes charts. LPs stands for long playing kids. LPs and tapes charts where it spent a record 37 non-consecutive weeks at number one from February 26, 1983 to April 14, 1984. Off wow. of the nine-track album, seven singles were released. The wow. Girl is Mine, his duet, one of his duets with Paul McCartney and the Beatles. Billie Jean, Beat It, Want to Be Starting Something, Human Nature, PYT, Pretty Young Thing, and Thriller. They all reached the top 10 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart, which still exists. And they set a record for the most top 10 singles from an album with Beat It and Billie Jean reaching number one. Um, into the next year, uh, the 26 Grammy Awards that were held on April 28, 1984. Thriller and the songs on it were nominated for a total of 11 awards and won eight. And I think, I think it still stands as the record for the most one-by-one one artist at one night, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Includes Album of the Year, Record of the Year for Beat It, Producer of the Year, and those three awards, uh, MJ shared credit with Quincy. Mm -hmm. um, also, MJ won for Best Pop Vocal Performance, Male, for Thriller, Best Rock Vocal Performance, Male, for Beat It, Best R&B Song for Billie Jean, Best R&B Vocal Performance, Male, for Billie Jean, and... Best recording for children, the E.T. storybook. That's yep. an interesting story all by itself. Yeah. But in that addition, was on at the same time. Yes, at the same, it was going at the same time. And there was a little bit of a legal issue yeah. behind that as well. But I digress. Um, in addition to all those awards that MJ and, and Jones won, there was also um, a win for best engineering, best engineered recording. And the engineer and audio mixer for this album was a fellow by the name of Bruce Sweden. Sweden, thank you. Yes. Apparently, he said in an interview in 2007, this is just a little bit of trivia, kind of ahead of time, I apologize. He said in an interview, uh, 2017, excuse me, quote, we were doing Billie Jean at Westlake Audio in L.A. and we did 91 vocal takes. The final take that went on the album was take two. That gives you an idea of Michael's abilities. That little tidbit kind of blew my wit back. Really? 91? Well, he ain't had to go to work at Sprint the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> he had time, in other words. <laughs> yep. He had time. Later on in uh, 1984, MJ won eight American Music Awards, including the American Music Award of Merit and three MTV Video Music Awards, because at that time, MTV did still play music videos. Which you saw my post today, right? Yes, I did. That made me laugh. <laughs> I was there when MTV premiered in 1981. I was there in front of the TV. I remember video killed the radio star. I remember this. How do you remember that? You were like, what, negative three? I was a young child. Yeah, yes. Negative three. But I was into the music even then, and I was there. I remember because it was, <laughs> what was the guy that was the VJ at the time? He had the big curly hair. Um, yeah, um, I forgot his name, the dark curly hair, the fro. I think it was Mark something. It was Mark Goodman? I think. I think he was like the first VJ that they had. Because I remember him and I remember Kurt Loder the best. 
And there was Martha. Martha oh, Quinn. Yeah. I was in love Martha with her. Quinn. Yeah, Martha Quinn. I had a question on this girl that I went to high school with in North Dakota, and um, she looked just like her. And the only reason why I liked her was because she looked like her. Right. <laughs> All right, back to the, your your story. Um, and to this day, Thriller still stands as the top selling album ever. With 51.2 million certified sold, $70 million in sales. This is funny. The close second as far as top selling albums was ACDC, Back in Black. I found yeah. that interesting. I can't remember the rest of the list, but the rest of the list is, is pretty iconic on its own. Well, I know the Eagles' greatest hits and thriller yeah. used to kind of go back and forth between one yeah. and two for a while. Mm-hmm. So. The Eagles yeah. was down... Seven or eight. Well, Eagles at one point was the biggest selling. Mm -hmm. um, Greatest Hits was the biggest. Yes. uh, For a minute. I think that Greatest Hit came out before Thriller. It was for a minute. Yeah, before uh, for a minute. Because you got to think rumors too from Fleetwood Mac. That was in there too. And Led Zeppelin, they were the biggest. All that, but Thriller Mm -hmm. um, wiped out all of them as far as like sales. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember all that, and it's just crazy. And they're excellent albums. And then they, they are. Oh, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, was yeah that was on there album. too. Yeah. I think that was number ten. Yeah, yeah. One of the was the biggest selling album in history until Thriller came along. Cause everybody was rocking with the Bee Gees for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as a matter of fact, so was I. Cause they were some handsome bearded men. I'm not you know, gonna I, lie. I didn't, I didn't like them because of that, but I love them. They were great musicians. They were. Even though me and Jack right now got um, BG beards now, but um, that's a totally different story. But it wasn't because of them. No. But no, the album, <laughs> the Saturday Night Fever album is stellar. I it just, is. And that they actually um, killed disco because of that that record. That's really crazy. That's horrible to me. Yeah. Those, those men could sing and they could write the shit out of some songs. Yeah. Everybody, a lot of people thought they were African-American for a long time. That's true. Yep. Cause like one of my favorites from them is "How Deep Is Your Love." I absolutely, oh, 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 I absolutely oh, oh. adore. I'm sorry, Tim. What? <laughs> Did I put you your remember when I broke up with my ex girlfriend? Right, oh. four years ago, almost four years ago. I listened to that song 383 times. I'm sorry. Yeah, you you hit a sore wound. I didn't know it was there. <laughs> and you live in the same area that she lives in. So you, what are you trying to do? Kill me? I'll buy you a pony. Will that make up for it? Uh, (laughs) I'll buy you a pony. Will that make up for it? (laughs) Let me go get my pony. True story. story. I did listen to that song 383 times. I counted it after we broke up. And it wasn't even my fault, but I still did that. But no, it's it's an excellent song. It's really an excellent song. Mm -hmm. Just just a a related note, and then I'll move on. Um, I listened to Erica Badu's Green Eyes uh, probably uh, 471 times after a breakup so i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> so moving on to come back to what we were talking about um a little bit earlier like tim had said the album was kind of iffy at the beginning and during its early heydays mtv was not big on showing videos by black artists even though black artists were making them they would usually reserve black videos for the evening time after like seven or eight o'clock they wouldn't play during the day if they had them if they had them yeah. after mm-hmm. mo after the motown 25 special and mj in his moonwalk 
all of a sudden MTV was like, oh, look at here. Yeah, right. <laughs> they started putting Billie Jean in rotation. And at its height, it was they were playing it, what, twice every hour, I think? Yeah. Twice every hour they were playing that damn video. It was not a game all of a sudden for them. Before they didn't know him. It's like Mike Jones. Before you know me, now you all up on me. That's how it was. Now you're up on me. Yeah, I remember that. There's one thing I've learned about people. There's one color that Americans love more than all others, and Mm -hmm. that is green. Mm -hmm. 100%. 100%. Did you want to, Tim, did you want to go into like a little more into like the impact of that? As you you had mentioned? Yes. Oh, the impact of Thriller for me or the world? Because I can't speak for the world. I saw it from afar just like we did. I'm talking about as far as um, the Motown 25 special and then, you know, his his videos starting to blow yeah. up and go on rotation. Friend. What, the, like the bigger impact as far as for black artists were concerned, I guess you Got you. Yeah, so Thriller. I remember my parents, they bought Thriller. I remember that. My parents always liked the R&B records off of that, that album, the ones that sound more soulful. But I remember the first single was um, The Girl Is Mine. That's what they left with. Made sense because it's Paul McCartney, Beatles, you know, teamed with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, so was artist that hasn't become even bigger than him yet. Him yet. And um, it, it failed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not, they tried Billie Jean and this, that, and the other. The radio stuff, it really didn't take off with Thriller like it's supposed to. But Motown 25 changed the game. Mm-hmm. That's what actually changed the game. And um, when he did the moonwalk and it put eyes on him, that's when the record sales of Thriller just changed the world, changed how people looked at things, changed how people dressed. You had um, you had cartoon, you had it in the newspapers. Newspapers is um, when people give the news on the papers, young people, just in case you didn't know that. But um, they would have it in newspapers and the the comic sessions where they would have um, a depiction of Michael Jackson. It was all over the place. Mad Magazine. This mm-hmm. is before Mad TV, the guys who, you know, just telling you. Mm-hmm. Mad Magazine, he would have Michael on the cover, you know, looking like Alfred E. Newman, the guy with the cover on it. Yeah. But after after that, that performance, Thriller just started selling weekly. Everybody wanted to be Michael Jackson. Yep. Everybody wanted to dance like Michael Jackson. Break dancing was already out. Pop locking was already out, but the moonwalk was the focus mm-hmm. of everything. And then um, it took off even further, even though Billie Jean was a video on Motown already. I'm not Motown, on MTV. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? It didn't take an impact. That was before the Motown 25. Right. Then all of a sudden, when that Motown 25 came out, Beat It got bigger. The um, Billie Jean video got bigger. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, when he did the Thriller video, changed the game. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. The Thriller video was like an event. If yeah. you're not our generation, you probably don't remember. That was like an event. And I, there were weeks leading up to Thriller is going to premiere on such and such a day at such and such a time. And like everybody dropped what they were doing so they could go and see the video for Thriller. It, it was premiered. like a mini movie. It was a yeah. premiere on <laughs> MTV. And to put it in perspective, in those days, you guys, there were um, nothing like that was ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yep. The only thing that was done in that way were movies in the theater. 
Yep. yep. He promoted this whole thing like a movie. Yep. And it was a movie on TV. He's the first to ever do it. Anything like that. Yep. And till this day, you still, a solo artist will still have dancers in the background dancing with him. And it's because of uh, Thriller and Beat It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I know at the time it was the most expensive video ever made. It wasn't. It was not. Really? I thought it was at the time. Well, well I'll take it back. At the time, it was. It quickly got overtaken within a couple, a year or two by Duran Duran and Wild Boys. <laughs> Thriller was just about $900,000. Wild Boys was over a million. So it was it was at the time, but it didn't stay that way. But you know what? It's still Michael Jackson's fault because you got to think about it. He's like, we got to come better than this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. You yeah. seen the videos in the early '80s? It was fog. It was fog machines and yeah, or they're standing on the stage or they're walking down the street, just that, and you know, think I'm like whatever it was. But Thriller set the standard. Duran mm-hmm. Duran wouldn't have been able to do that if there wasn't an MJ. True. It's mm-hmm. true. It's yeah, true. that is true. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There, it. Mm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was, since we're talking about Michael Jackson, it just got me thinking. What year did The Wiz come out? Seventy-seven, seventy-six, seventy-seven. Okay. It was, it was before um, Off the Wall, because that's how he met yeah. Jones to produce Off the Wall. Yep. By, uh-huh. And the label didn't want Quincy Jones to produce him because they said that he's too jazzy. Mm-hmm. In a way he can make a pop record and you know this that and the other blah blah blah. But I think it was like seventy seven, seventy six, seventy seven or something like that. Let's let's go to tape. Because Quincy oh, yeah. Jones produced the whole soundtrack for The Wiz. Right. That's how they met. Uh, seventy eight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Interesting. So and and to piggyback off what you were talking about, Tim. Um. Apparently, uh, New York radio station WPLJ was so-called, I guess, quote, white station. They played Beat It because of Eddie Van Halen being on yeah. it with his guitar solo. Right. And apparently, um, folks didn't appreciate that. They didn't want that ethnic urban music on their station. Right. Interesting. But it, But MTV... Starting to air his video more often, while well, Billy Jean and Beat It helped to alle- alleviate the criticism. That is mm-hmm. bizarre yeah, to it, me. That yeah, no, it is. It's bizarre to think about it now, but at that time, mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense because everybody listens to. I think we talked about this last time. Everybody listens to different music differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Rock fans listen to vocals different than an R&B fan listens to vocals. We're used to like churchy runs and this, that, and the other, and certain things. Whereas with rock, it's more like a feeling. And it's not like, you know, oh my God, they just did an Aretha Franklin like singing riff. Mm-hmm. It's more like a feeling behind the, the hard guitars. So the mixture of, to me, this is my opinion, to me, the mixture of um, Van Halen and Michael Jackson didn't make sense to a lot of people because right. there was a lot of Van Halen fans that because I think I saw recently I saw an interview with um Van Halen that he said that um with Eddie he said that um he was he wasn't supposed to let his um band know that he played on 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 Thriller yeah let these people know that I played on this Black Kids record they didn't know till the song came out right right yep right. yeah and he didn't get paid for it. <laughs> 
He he did it because he wanted to. <laughs> Brenda! Yeah. It was great music. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if recording on Thriller is one of the influences that Eddie Van Halen had when they made 1984. Because Jump is very poppy. And before that, they did not have synthesizers to the point to where David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen like got in fights over Jump. Yeah, and I wonder if Thriller had any effect on that. Or That's Billy James. Same question. That is a good question. No, not Billy James. Beat it. Or beat it. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair question because 1984. What year did it come out? 84. I think so. Jump. Yeah, because isn't the album 84? <laughs> 1984. Well, no, because some people like for some people will make an album called 2000, like 1999 by Prince. It wasn't yeah. 1999. Right. It was yeah. 1982. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was, uh, Jump was 1984. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Off of 1984. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, guys. Brandon is popped up, driving around, doing whatever he's doing with his fam in the car. Welcome, Brandon. Um, I think he's muted, though. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, now we can hear you. Yay. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I do these, uh, NBA Zoom calls and I'm always like super freaked out. So I like auto mute it right away and then I like it's in my settings. I forget. So what's up? We're you know we're just discussing that little small record thriller. I know that you're not a Michael Jackson fan in any way, shape, <laughs> form, or fashion. <laughs> right. Have you just just to be clear? I don't want any misconceptions. That is the complete opposite of true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Thriller is the album that made me fall in love with music. I uh, have, I remember we we actually had the album, the vinyl, back in the day, and I remember we went through it. We played it so much, and it got so, so scratched up. We had to buy another one. I think we ended up going through three Thriller albums. We listened to them so oh, much. Man. That's impressive. Yeah. You're the reason why he was probably four hundred no, forty-eight. Um, records, uh, million records sold. So the three that you add added to the fifty million. Yes, it's what pushed him over the top. They said like every time they say greatest selling album of all time, thanks yeah. to Brandon Rabar and his three albums. Yeah, yeah. Brandon's such a fan that he has a sequence glove tattooed on his right butt cheek. Uh, is that true? Thankfully, they, thankfully, it's, it's no. not on both but Thankfully, only one glove, so only one butt cheek. My other butt cheek was spared. <laughs> <laughs> so I pre shout out to MJ for saving my other butt cheek. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My history is thriller. Like it. Um, I, I remember at the time my favorite song. Uh, I thought "Eye of the Tiger" was the greatest song ever. I think it was "Eye of the Tiger." Maybe it was just a Rocky theme. I remember I was really in a rock. And then Thriller came along, like the Billie Jean video and, and beat it and everything. And I just like, I was like, oh, this is real music. Like my seven-year-old self was like, oh, this is real music. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I I remember one other story real quick. I remember at PE class, the PE teacher asked us all to bring in one album. So, like, while we were, like, doing our, you know, dodgeball or whatever it was, we could have music playing in the background. And I was the only one who brought Thriller, and everybody was like, oh, he brought Thriller, he brought Thriller. Like, everybody was so excited because I brought Thriller. Like, it was, like, the most popular album. Uh, and everybody's pumped. Like, 
And then we played it. And remember I told you, like, we played it so much it was, like, scratching. I remember she it got to beat it, and it kept, like, skipping. And I remember, like, my little, like, kindergarten self was, like, so mortified oh, that wow. my, that beat it was skipping. Yeah, it's, it's funny what, what you what you remember. I, <laughs> I don't remember anything else I learned in elementary school, but I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a great moment. Yeah. It, it saved my life. I'm telling you, I won I won a bunch of Billy Jean contests. I won in North Dakota. Never forget it. I won like a a, a year supply of Pepsi in a full studio. You remember the not studio stereo system? We had a record on the top. Oh yeah. Set in the middle, you had the equalizer, and then you had something else at the bottom type shit. Right. I won that. By doing the Motown 25 Billie Jean performance. <laughs> yeah, that's, nice. that's fantastic. That nice. is impressive. Oh, the 80s. Oh, man. <laughs> that, was, that was a game changer. That was a game changer. Everybody, I remember everybody like in school the next day, and like everybody apparently after work, you know, the adults and everything were like talking about it the next day and like how like magical. Like, I remember people wondering, like, is he actually magical? Like, does, like, can he do magical? Like, that was like, Nobody had seen that before. He just looked like he like glided across the floor. It was, it was incredible. It was. Yeah. Speaking of that video, Billie Jean, it was directed by a fellow by the name of Steve Barron, who was also known for another popular uh, music video. Not quite as famous of a group, but a very well-known video. Can anybody take a guess? Uh, I'll say aha take on me. You knew that already. That's why you said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry. Sorry, I should have I let other people jump in. My bad. That's well, no, no. Is, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was part of that band. I didn't, I didn't know, know either. That. No, aha is fucking amazing. They are. Yeah. Like that 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 music video is mm-hmm. iconic. Like at yeah. the oh, time, yeah. that's yeah. a game changer. It really was. It Definitely really was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, real quick though, Brandon, because I know that you're going to have to jump off here since you're driving. Why don't you go ahead and if you could just tell us what your favorite song off of Thriller is, and then you can get back to the fam and we'll just go about finishing talking. Okay, so I'm going to choose. Okay, I'll preface it with like to me, Thriller, every single song is a 10 out of 10. So you can't go wrong. And I, I will say that like, if I were to say my actual favorite, it would be Billie Jean because I think it's one of the greatest songs of all time and just so iconic and it's what made me fall in love with music. But that's, that's what I give me. Like, Billie Jean is a give me. Like, I don't want to, like, go with the easy one. I'm actually going to go with one of the few songs. You know, there was seven top ten hits on Thriller. So I'm going to choose one that was not a top ten and it wasn't released. Uh, it was actually this, the first dance at my wedding. It's Lady in My Life. Oh. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's, I love Lady of My Life. It's just, it's. I feel like it's the one that's never talked about because you know, all the others were hit, and even Baby Be Mine. I feel like even gets talked about some because it's kind of, it's like got a groove to it. But Lady of My Life, I think, is one of MJ's greatest ballads. But I think what makes the song so great is not only is it like this great love song and this great ballad, but like around the halfway mark, it gets into this like nice little like soulful groove and it gets almost a little like sexy not a little it it just gets sexy like halfway through because i remember when we were doing like our our first dance and we'd rehearsed it so we were like doing like you know the normal ballad nice 
dance. And then we got a little funky when NJ switches it up halfway through Lady in My Life and it gets a little sexy. Um, and there's, there's just some changes throughout the song. I just, I think it's one of MJ's great underrated songs. And probably because Billie Jean beat it, Thriller, Wanna Be Starting Something, PYT, like you still to this day hear them everywhere, all the radio, you know, you've, we've all played them over and over again. So I always find myself going back to like Lady in My Life and Baby Be Mine because I think they're, you know, as good as all the rest, but I never like grew tired of them because I didn't hear them all the time. That makes sense. Same, same. Yeah. So do we want to go ahead and like, while we, while we still have them, do the, our favorite songs now? We can. Yeah, we could do that. Sure. If Brandon's got a couple more minutes, we could buzz through real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Okay. Because it's completely related to what he just said. My favorite is Baby Be Mine. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it yeah. is for the exact reasons that you said. All the other ones, to this day, you'll always hear them. You'll always hear them. And it's not like, like I said, the the, the album is still a banger top to bottom. Right. But there's just something about Baby Be Mine. It's a nice mid-tempo, sweet love song. And yes. despite public opinion i am a romantic at heart and so i like the good love song and this one especially is there's just something about it and like the the one line that sticks with me is won't you stay with me until the morning sun i promise you now that the dawn will be different it's just it's something about that line like i can sing yeah. it top to bottom and not skip i love it i love it you sound Great like you sounds like he meant it yep yeah. He did. Can't you see that heaven's just begun? Like right, like yeah, you yeah, feel yeah. that in your chest. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's a, that's a great choice. Yes. Yeah. Who's next? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, with me, Lady My Life. I actually oh, was nice. on with somebody tonight, and <laughs> they asked me, and I told them I was doing this. I was like, to be honest with you, give me same thing that you're saying, Kenyatta, and everybody else. We hear the other ones who get it. Lady in My Life is my um, my favorite because it was intimate. And at the risk of being what they call a simp, I'm a hopeless romantic. And that song <laughs> actually was like romantic. He said, I need you on my side. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's the change right before there when you were talking about Brandon. Yes. That yeah. when it just speeds up, the pace speeds up. So, Lady in My Life is my favorite of all time from that album, but Human Nature is like second. Oh, yeah. yeah nice. Human Nature. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, Human Nature I, is really good. Yeah, Human Nature. Human Nature has been sampled a lot, too. Like, like yeah. it's it's kind of like, it's. I feel like it's the forgotten <laughs> hit. Like, it was a big hit, too, but, you know, I think, I feel like it gets kind of forgotten a little bit. I think forget that as a Michael Jackson record. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. Because yeah. my, my, I think my yeah. favorite song that sampled it was SWV. Yes. When they did their up tempo version, that that's that, Pharrell. That, that was Pharrell. Yeah. Pharrell I, I, that. I enjoyed. Before anybody knew who Pharrell was. Exactly. Well, he that man was undercover for a long time, but yeah. yes, that was my favorite uh, song that sampled it. So yeah. So Jack was yours. I had such a hard time when Kenyatta mentioned, you know, have pick your favorite song. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. I really had a hard time. And I still don't know if I have one that's particularly my favorite, but there are two songs on there 
that unlike any other song, that if I hear them, they're stuck in my head for a minimum of 30 days and sometimes up to six months. And that's PYT. <laughs> that's all. It's, I hear that, and then for the next six months, I'm going to be like, PYT, pretty young thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to be starting something. Yeah. Y'all, we're talking about that for the next... This time next year for the 42nd anniversary, I still might in my head be going, you know, just like, want to be starting something. You got to be starting something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, None of the it. other songs on that album do that to me, but those two songs do every time. It's really weird. I like nope. that when you were talking about PYT. I'll listen to, I, of course, I know the words to all the songs. And I'll be listening to PYT and I'll get to that part. And that's the only line I'll sing. Anywhere you want to go. That's the only line I'll sing out of that song. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I love it. But yeah. you know what? You know what? I was, it's ironic we're talking about Michael Jackson. I was talking to a friend of mine who actually worked with him on the Dangerous album. I oh, wow. Him last night and he was telling me stories of this, that, and the other. And I asked him, I said, yo, you work with Teddy. Because I work with Teddy Riley, too, for a brief nice. bit. And um, I asked him, I said, the bridge, the change part in PYT, Teddy stole that to use the bridge in um, My Prerogative, right? You said, huh. yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> for real? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's like, because the night is a loving spot. P.Y. Sweet. So My Prerogative, um, tell me, tell me why. Sure did. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's good. I yeah. never would have thought of that. I asked, that him, I asked him that because I, I kept telling people even when it came out, I said, yo, he got that from PYT. That's why. Yeah. He was a huge fan. He said, uh, yeah, you're right. You got a good ear. I was like, damn right. I want to know. Because, <laughs> yeah, I think I was in the studio during that time when Pharrell first got with um, Teddy Riley and um, my boy I was talking to, this, that, and the other. This is prior to Michael Jackson, all of that stuff. But a lot of people don't know that Pharrell is the one who did that remix for SWV. That's his voice saying S W U B B. Yeah. Now that you say that, I'm hearing it. Yep. Yeah, that's wild. That is wild. That's crazy. But cool. That is that is a cool story. PYT is a great song. That's a great song. Nine songs. Think about it. Nine songs. Nine. Like you get albums nowadays. And they'll have like 12 songs in like seven interludes, and it won't be 25% as good as this was. Yeah. Is. Oh. Like they try, but they, it's a, but most of the stuff out there now is like filler. Yeah. No, there's no filler here. Yeah. There's no thriller here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Boom. Nice. That was, that was good. That was good. What I didn't know though. And this is one of those, I think I mentioned to you, Jack, when I did my research, this is one of these things I found out. And I shouldn't have been shocked, but I was. Toto were the the main musicians on this album. Yeah. I oh, wow. Not, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, see, the ones that sing that earworm yeah, song, see, Africa? See, yes, yeah. Yeah. That group. <laughs> Steve Piccaro was the biggest um, thing. Of, yeah. And that's the story about human nature. Yep. I'm not sure if y'all know about the human nature story. It's all online now, but I knew it prior to it. The human nature shit was that they went through a bunch of songs that they were going to go for the Thriller album. They did like 100 songs. And 
Quincy had reached out to the writers of Total because they liked their work and sent in some stuff. They did, a, they played a bunch of stuff. And at the end of the tape, it was just nothing but silence. And so they were about to close up the studio. Then all of a sudden, comes on. And they were like, what the hell is this? They didn't even think it was going to be a song that anybody's going to get. It was like a filler type thing. So the story is, is that Michael Jackson heard the song, but he slept throughout the night. He always did stuff late at night. So I think it was like um, 10, 12 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. Michael woke up and started singing that song. And they have the demo of um, Human Nature online that you mm-hmm. can hear to this day. I think it's also on when they did the re-release with the with the uh, alternate versions of all the songs. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, I think I'm, it's on there yeah. too. That's that's yeah. a good listen, just to hear all the different versions they have and like that's the uh, the demos and stuff of some of the songs. That's a really good uh, album. I love demos. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. But here's Here's an interesting bit that I found, too. Even after Billie Jean and Beat It were released, the label did not want to uh, release Thriller as a single. And it wasn't until sometime in, in 83 when the album started to fall down the charts, the promoter, a guy by the name of Frank DeLeo. Yeah, that um, was manager. That was uh, Mike's manager. Yeah. Or ended up he, being Mike's manager. He encouraged him to make the third video to join the other two. And Thriller apparently was considered a, quote, easy list due to the content. And Vincent Price was only paid a stack to do his rap. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the legendary master of horror. Yeah. I'll take take that check for granted. He comes in there and does that smooth. Just nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, that... That would be such a different song without without Vincent Price in it. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, and shout out to Rod Pemberton for writing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I failed to mention him. Yes, he was one of the um, uh, co-writers on this. Definitely. Dude, he was the writer. Well, yeah, on album. He was well. He was one of the big writers for that that particular because he wrote for a lot of other acts as well. Yeah. But yeah, very very great album. Big impact. And it hasn't been surpassed to this day, and uh, and it influenced what's going on nowadays. And everybody's really trying to chase that success mm-hmm. of that album. Yeah. The only, yep. the only thing that's going to happen nowadays is that it's just only going to be compared to Michael's mm-hmm. Thriller album is the first. So the only thing you can say is like, oh, so and so just sold sixty million to come out in today's time. That's surpassing who. Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be a reference because he set the standard. I think, mm-hmm. to be honest, even with all the albums that he made after this one, this is probably the one he was chasing for the rest of his life. Even oh. though, obviously, he had hella popular songs afterwards, I think he probably had this one in the back of his head the whole time. Like, can I get can I get bigger than that? Can I get bigger than that? Maybe I'm just supposing, but I just, I feel like with any... No, I agree with that, with the way that he looks at things. Because I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you guys saw online, um, there's a letter he wrote to himself saying, I will no longer be little Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. I will be referred to as MJ. And I will actually study every single artist that's out here from the past to the present. I'll mix them all together and become the best thing ever in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we're talking about 
albums after that, um, I always loved uh, the song Dirty Diana. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that song absolutely proved that if he wanted to, Michael Jackson totally could have been like a heavy metal singer. or a, You know what I mean? There was not any type of music that I don't think he could have been a success at. But Dirty Diana, you know, sort of proved was like, man, that dude could have sang heavy metal if he wanted. He, he could yeah, have dabbled it in. If I speak and do it, might as well. Yeah. True. Yeah. That is true. I think he could have dabbled in any any other genre uh, if he had wanted to. And like like uh, like later on, later albums, he does kind of start dabbling here and there in the other genres. Because I'll tell you what, I, it took me years to actually appreciate Invincible for the album that it was. Because I heard like, you know, the singles that got released. I didn't actually sit and listen to it top to bottom until a long time later. And I was like, what the hell was wrong with me? Because that, <laughs> that album is something else. He's got some I refuse amazing... to listen to that album. Why? Because I look, remember, I started out in the music industry with a bunch of hip hop producers that are big producers to this day. Mm-hmm. And they're only hip hop, never touched R&B. I was always the only R&B guy. So one of my friends who's a hip hop producer who did like Crush on You for Lil Kim and, and Junior Mafia, mm-hmm. still working with Michael Jackson. Hmm. I told him the other day, I was like, yo, I'm pissed off at you. He said, why are you pissed off at me? I said, you got to work with Michael Jackson. He was on that. <laughs> I said, I wanted to work with my, I never got a chance to work. The closest I got to Michael Jackson was Kim Fields. <laughs> That's because she knew the family. That's it. <laughs> Interesting. Wait, Kim Fields so from, uh, from 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 uh, the TV show? Yeah. Back to Life. Yeah. Judy. Yeah. Judy. Judy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's the closest I, I love ever Tootie. got. Huh? I said I love Tootie. Same <laughs> here. Yeah, I love Tootie. Love her to pieces. I really thought I could date her, but um, you know, we're like a year apart. I was too childish for her. But <laughs> but yeah, that that Invisible album really had me butthurt for years because I'm a man of like, I'm the guy who's supposed to work with Michael Jackson because I understand Michael Jackson. I listen <laughs> to Michael Jackson. I, I was born with the Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I was created by Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you... Just came in to the Michael Jackson. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was, I, look, I was mad at my parents. And I said this in an interview before. I was mad that my parents' last name wasn't Jackson and they didn't name me Michael. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do you know if I had been a boy, that would have been my name was Michael? That's what my mom told me a long time ago. I was like, where? Really? Yes. I was like, so where? she set up for Kenyatta with the floppy hat? It was the 70s. That's how come I got, I got Kenyatta because that's when the African names were big. So that's Brandon jumped jumped off. I think he might have just he might accidentally drop. He's in his car, so he might have dropped. Yeah, but I do want to you know since we're on Invis- Invincible, and I'm sorry I have to talk about it. That's all good. It is. It is. They had a single off of there called Butterflies. Oh. Yes. Stop playing. Uh, <laughs> which is like easily. One of my favorites of him. Out of his entire freaking catalog, that's one of my favorites. It makes it was sense a, because... Go ahead. No, go ahead. It makes sense because everybody, whenever they work with Michael, even down to um, um, Remember the Time, the chord progressions, the sounds of this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. they're really trying to chase Michael back to off the wall and I can't help it. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's one of my exactly favorites, what, too. That's what what they're trying to retrace 
when they do those type of songs, which is perfect. Mm -hmm. They try to bring Michael back to, you know, soul. Outside yeah. where he blew up from, this, that, and the other. Yeah. But yeah no, mm -hmm. That's one of the songs that um, one of my friends helped produce, too. Because hmm. it had, um, it was written, co-written by Andre Harris and Marsha Ambrosis. Andre Harris is static. I mean, not static, a fanatic. That's his name. Oh, okay. Cool. But I mentioned that because Marsha was in a group called Flowery. They were yeah. like a spoken word singing group. Yeah. And they did their own version of Butterflies. And that's the version I heard first. Yeah, I think there was released first, wasn't it? Huh? I think theirs was released first. I think so. Yeah. And then yeah. I heard his version. And believe it or not, because she has a, a, a magnificent voice. But how MJ managed to sound sweeter than she did just blows my mind. Because both of the versions are good. But mm -hmm. he he knocked it out of the park. He was still mm -hmm. hitting them notes in two thousand one. He was no, he was still no joke. Mm -hmm. So that's just a word on on one of his later songs. But yeah, um, I know it's going to be shocking, but we're at an hour. We're at <laughs> but, an yeah. hour twelve plus, right? Um, <laughs> but real quick, we can't talk about. Michael Jackson from, you know, 83, 84, 85, 86, if we don't mention We Are the World, because <laughs> that, I mean, it was all of sort of big pop rock people at the time, but that was really a Michael Jackson sort of thing. And if you're younger, We Are the World was at the time when we were kids, there was a major, major drought in Ethiopia and people were just dying. It, it was, it was bad. And so they did the song, We Are the World, that was written, uh, you know, produced Michael Jackson. He's a big part of it mm -hmm. to raise money so that, you know, they could send water and food to Ethiopia to feed people. Because it was, yeah, it was him. I think Quincy Jones was in there and Lionel Richie. Yeah, yeah. Lionel Richie. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they like headed it up, but they had like anybody who was anybody in the yeah, singer it, in that time frame was on that song. Get everybody, country, everybody. pop, whatever. And that's, We Are the World was such a huge thing that other sort of things tried to copy it afterwards mm -mm, with their hands across America. Jack! Sorry, I said copy. <laughs> it was like the great value, We Are the World. <laughs> but and, um, that was such a that, huge deal. Mm -hmm. so that's when people really cared about each other. Yeah. Back in those times. And yes, it was a big song and um it was a great, great song. He did it after a Grammy um service, right? They went to the studio that same night. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They sure and did. They had to get everybody together. Um They sure did. Yeah. yeah. Um I recently saw Dylan you guys may have known about this, but um I'm watching a thing and they're recording and everybody else is kind of having a good time. And Michael Jackson is like dead serious. And yeah, he's sure. like, and you can see he's not saying anything, but you can yeah. see that he's like getting irritated that people are like yeah. having a good time. And he's like there to record. And I just remember thinking that's because his dad was Joe Jackson. And if you were serious that. when you were recording, <laughs> he was going to put a foot up your ass. If yeah. that's not hypothetical, put a foot up your ass. I saw that clip. Look, yeah. it's funny because, you know, you have the butterfly effect. He had the Joe Jackson effect. He did. So 
that's what it was. It was all about work, no play time. I think he tried to learn how to do it, but I saw the same thing. I, I did. He was dead up. He was really sick. Because I remember yeah. he put, he's standing kind of in the back. He's got them aviator sunglasses on, letting he know he can't be bothered. But it's right. Huey Lewis and Cindy Lauper doing their part. And yeah, I think yeah, Huey yeah. Lewis was trying to riff or something, and Mike was just like, mm-mm. Yeah. He didn't say a word. You just see the steady his face is like. See, you see where he shook his head, like, sort of like, yeah, that's it. So, yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah. come on now. Like, we got work to do. Let's go. He's like, do I need to bring my dad in here to get you guys right. to focus? <laughs> exactly. Now that you mentioned Joe Jackson, and trust me when I say I'm not making light of any of this whatsoever. But the Jackson's miniseries is also a legendary moment in TV entertainment. (laughs) There is a scene in it where this is where, like, I think the kids are just, like, starting to get famous. And they've got the big house. And there's a pool in the backyard. Joe comes home one night to find that the the boys have left wet towels, like, all on the the concrete around the pool. So he's, he's screaming at them to wake up. And uh, Catherine was like, what are you doing? He's like, they left these wet towels. He's just da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And remember, Joe Jackson was being played by Lawrence Hilton Jacob, who played Washington on Welcome Back, Carter. (laughs) So it was wild to see him play a man like that. Yeah. He's screaming. And Catherine, who was played by Angela Bassett, she gets up. She says, what you going to do to him, Joe? Beat him? What you going to do? (laughs) And he was like, as a matter of fact, well, the, right. the point was, these kids are making money for you, and you yeah. have the nerve to be upset that they're doing what kids do, right. and you're going to sit up here and scream and berate them, but they're making you money. What you yeah. going to do? That's to be fair, life. if I lived in Gary, Indiana, I would do whatever it took to get out of there as well. I mean, <laughs> so. they did. They did. Yeah, and he was trying to instill order, because if you notice at the end of that scene, he was yelling at, yelling out um, each one of the um, mm-hmm. Name to come yep. pick this shit up. Yep. He's looking at Catherine at the same time. It's like he realized there's nothing he really can do because they got into a level mm-hmm. to where they can make decisions on their own. Yep. Even though he started the whole thing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like um, my friend says, and I know we got to go on this. My friend, he always said, he said, uh, well, Joe Jackson even said this. He said, if Michael regurgitated every time that he saw me, he regurgitated all the way to the bank. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Because I mean, Michael Jackson, honestly, as harsh as that, but because I, I grew up in this situation, sort of like a Joe Jackson era. Well, my parents did. Joe, I mean, discipline was was harsh back in when my parents was growing up. It was not it, to me. My discipline was kind of harsh, but it probably wasn't as bad as. Where Joe Jackson and my parents grew up in St. Eric's, they close to like the same thing. But um, he really believed that you have to, you all the. He really wanted to mirror against these uh, against a lot of um, white groups mm-hmm. that were doing it. And it's like you can't slack a minute because nobody cares about black people. That's what he basically what he's saying. Right. The reason why he was so fix, fixated on the Osmond. Yes. Because Osmonds really was out before the Jacksons, but when the Jacksons came up, they they reformed and had Donnie singing the leads. Mm-hmm. That sounded like Michael. 
You know what I mean? Then you had the Silvers and all these people just that and said, look, we can't slack a minute. So he really had that whole situation to where he didn't want to lose. He was afraid he was going to lose it all early. Yeah. 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 What, what is it? We have to work twice as hard to yeah. be to get half as much credit. I think that's what it, where he was operating from. Real I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. But, yeah. So there it is, listening friends. Our 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 discussion on that musical milestone that really in the bigger picture really doesn't mean a whole lot. But we just spent an hour and twenty minutes discussing a whole bunch of nothing. So we hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Naturally. Well, well, before you go, and if you can edit this um into it, the impact of thriller, mm. everything that you see and hear nowadays, people that you're listening, is because of thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can say the reason why things are the way they are: music videos, mm-hmm. song structure, mm-hmm. um, uh, whatever people are trying to achieve, like certain kind of success, is because of Thriller. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's sad that people weren't there to experience, like people were there to experience James Brown, or they were experience the Beatles, you know, and this, that, and the other. We were able to experience Thriller. Mm-hmm. So there hasn't been a Thriller since. No. I mean, the closest would be like a Taylor Swift, Beyonce, or this, that, but they never had that kind of check this video out. It's about to come out, blah, 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 premiere. Yes. Change the game for everything. And and even though MTV was, you know, kind of being a bitch about not showing um, videos by black artists when when his popularity went up and then they decided it was an okay idea, it, I think his video had, or that album in that video had the best opportunity to come along early when music videos were still a novelty. Even mm. though MTV had been around, what, three years by then? Right. Yeah, three Something years like that. Three years, yeah. yeah. So his video drops and people are still, you know, I was one of them kids that when I got home from school and after I did homework, I'm on MTV for the better part of the day. Because that's yeah. how how deeply I was, not just in the music, but in visuals. Like I'm a, I'm, oh, that's, I'm, that's yeah, I'm a creative. I like, I like the visuals. I like seeing, you know, if my idea of what this song should look like is what they just did. That's the kind of kid right. that I was growing up. So that, that video dropped at the right time. For a, in a multi, for a multitude of reasons, there was a, so much intersectionality with how with that timing for not just him and his uh, ongoing reputation, but for a multitude of black artists, and just like you said, Tim, for other artists across the board, regardless of genre. Yeah, everybody between rock from pop to rock to country, this that and the other, the content that they actually release. And produced especially video wise is due to Michael Jackson because mm-hmm. it's never done before. Yep. Yep. That Indeed. is true. They didn't they did not call him the jester of pop. It was the king of pop for a reason. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is thank you guys for having me on air. Yeah, yeah thanks for coming on. Um you wanna plug your pluggable Tim Bird music? What? I mean, you should do it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> my pluggable. Well, right now, Timbird Music is actually transitioning to Birdman Pro. I'm still in the process of that. 
I'm actually um, creating content on teaching music producers how to get music behind TV and film. Still working on that. Right now, my site is down for Tim Bird Music until I re-up and get back, you know, as Birdman Pro. Okay. Birdman Pro. Coming up soon. All right. right now, I'm working on TV and film now that it's SAG after, after mm-hmm. it's done. Yeah. Right, right. And uh, I want to thank Brandon for hopping on. I know that it was tough. He was driving around in his car uh, doing yes. stuff like that. But that's something he should be used to since he is a NBA commentator for local radio stations. So he should be right. used to driving around and talking. Yeah, he is a Thunder, OKC Thunder reporter person. So where can I follow uh, him at? <laughs> um, I'll have to get back with you on that one. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, thanks, Brandon, for coming on. And, thank you much. Um, Let him know I said thank you as well when you talked to him. Yeah, and he texted me and said that he wanted to tell you guys uh, thanks for letting him come talk about some Michael Jackson, and he's always down to talk yeah, about um, Michael Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I know, I know the circumstances didn't allow, but I, I would have really liked to have had him longer. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you could, like, you could smell the enthusiasm. Like, oh man. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah, it it's scary how much he knows about Thriller, but just music in general. Mm-hmm. Um, on my solo podcast, it ended up the audio crashed and I couldn't do it, but I did a competition. It was like a game show between Brandon and my brother-in-law about who knew more about music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then the audio was corrupted and I couldn't edit it and make it right. But anyway... Mm-hmm. All righty then. So with that, listening friends, we're glad, as always, that you've tuned in to uh, to deal with us and tolerate us for an hour and change, just like you always do. I don't, I don't, I think we can literally count maybe on one hand and maybe two fingers on the other how many times we've actually come in in under an hour. This was not one of those times, but we thank no. you anyway. We do. <laughs> Jack, do you want to take us out? Uh, I sure do. Once again, everybody, thanks for listening. If you love us and would like to help us, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash hyperfocus. Can I? Well, go ahead. I just thought about this the other day. And and this is piggybacking off what you just said about buy me a coffee. And I think about all of not just other podcasts, like amateur podcasts, like what we do, but all other types of social media that involves Someone giving of their knowledge to the world at large, okay. if, even if that piece of the world is small or millions, whatever the case may be. I feel like if you like us and you love us and you understand that what we do is a labor of love, but it is also intellectual labor. So we do appreciate if you reimburse us for that because you're here, you're learning, and we're glad you're here. But if you like us and love us and you appreciate our labor, buy us a coffee. We would really appreciate it because Zoom isn't free. Because <laughs> we could, well, there is free Zoom, but you can only record for under 45 minutes. And clearly that is not something that we're capable of. <laughs> not at all. Not from the first day until now. <laughs> that That is a limit that we are not going to reach nope nope but anyway we appreciate you guys listening 
and we'll uh, we'll check you on the next one. Bye. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. <laughs>